Let's open our let's open our Bibles to Psalm 23. Actually, if you have your little sheet there, you can look at that. You don't need to open to it. We're going to do a little bit of review, and then we're going to uh, uh, look at this theme of the fact that the Lord is with us in uh, Psalm 23. Uh, does anybody has anybody memorized the first four verses? They want to say it for us. I didn't. I don't mean you memorized it like a, ten years ago, like recently. See. Anybody? Okay, I'm going to challenge you again. I want you to memorize this psalm, okay? You, I will promise you, you will be blessed beyond measure by memorizing this psalm. I don't ask you to memorize a lot of things, but if you love me so much, as you just said you did, (laughs) you'll listen to this one thing, to memorize Psalm 23, okay? So a little bit of review. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, he's watching over us. He's providing for us. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He knows what we need. He knows the nourishment. He knows that rest that we need. I read again this morning, Matthew 11, you know, where Jesus said, you know, if you're weary and burdened, you know, come to me and I'll give you rest. And he knows what we need. He leads us beside the still waters. He's leading us. He's actively involved in our lives. This is not just some kind of a, you know, intellectual faith. This is not some kind, this is a relationship, a living relationship with the living God who wants to lead us and guide us and have a part in our lives. We saw, we looked at last week, the fact that that he restores our soul. And this word means to bring us back, to to re- return us and our souls, you know, we get out there and he brings us back and, and, and by his word and by his spirit, he restores us. That is so wonderful, isn't it? He does it. We don't restore ourselves. He does it. The next phrase says that he leads us in paths of righteousness. Uh, David said he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Again, it's this very personal thing where God is doing something in my life. He's leading me. He's leading me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Ways that are right that, that will bring him honor as his name is upon us. Then we, then we finally got to verse 4 where it says this, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He says we're going to walk through the valley. We're going to walk, not run. You remember when you were in school and the teacher said, don't run. Walk. And walk, really, when you look at this word walk, it really speaks about our whole lives, how we live. Yea, though I walk, I live in this valley I'm in my life and, and, and how my life is, is going is, is in the middle of this valley and there's death, the shadow of death, there's this darkness there. But he says, we walk through it, that we're going to get through. We're going to make it through. This isn't the final destination. But you know, this idea, the shadow of death, uh, death it's 
there's all kinds of death and, and we are involved in fearing death, but it's just a shadow to, to live as Christ and to die as gain. So this is kind of where we left off last time. Notice he says, I will fear no evil. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I'll fear no evil. We talked about death and the fear of death, but you know, there's a lot of other kinds of fear, isn't there? There's fear, and he talks about evil. You could, you could say, you know, fear of the evil one, the fear of the enemy. But there's so much fear. There's so much different kinds of fear, things uh, that we fear, things that, that you know, they make lists, right? I got some of the lists. I can't even, I can't even read them all because there's so many of lists of things that we fear. But he says, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me, even though, yea, even though I'm walking through this valley. And, and, and the kinds of fear, some of them are just kind of insane, right? Social phobias, the ten, and everybody has a different list, right? Let me just read some of these because some of them are interesting. Uh, the ten most common fears, social phobias. Like, I'm going to get out of here right now because I can't take this. How about agoraphobia? You know what that is? Fear of open spaces. You don't want to be inside. You don't want to be outside. Man, if you got all these, you're going to be in trouble. Acrophobia. Anybody know what that is? Fear of heights. I, I was facing that when we were uh, on that trip with, with Anthony and Irene, and we were in a, on, a, on a, a crater of a volcano, and I was looking down, and I was like, I, it's never happened to me before. I was completely freaking out, and I, had, I said, i got to go down. I can't stay here. It was just like it was overwhelming, and uh, it's kind of gone away. I don't know. Maybe it was because they had five kids that were kind of running around wild, and they, I could just see them going down this thing, and it just all kind of cascaded. Anyways, how about this one? See if anybody knows this one. Terromerhanophobia. Fear of flying. What's that got to do with this? Claustrophobia, we, we all know that one, right? Yeah. How about entomophobia? Fear of insects. <laughs> Ophidiophobia, fear of snakes. Sinophobia, fear of dogs. <laughs> I'm kind of afraid of dogs a little bit. Certain dogs. Astrophobia. Fear of storms, trypanophobia. No, that's fear of needles. <laughs> like you know, we got we got fears. We and we all have them. We all have them of, of different kinds at different times, you know. But but he says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. There's something about the Lord being with us. You know, we we got all kinds of. And again, the list go on and on. You know, fear. Fear of going crazy, uh, fear of intimacy, fear of getting old, fear of being poisoned, fear of being a coward, fear of germs. Uh, they, say, they used to say this, uh, obviously those guys didn't agree that the number one fear is the public speaking. Is that true? I think so. I think so. Come on up. <laughs> you know... 
the fear of death, you know, they put them in here at some point. And I, I, I kind of think that should be the number one, but, but you know, we have all kinds of fears. Uh, uh, Kelly and I were talking about it last week, and he said, he, this, he said this to me that, what did you say, Kelly? The fear of what people think. That's huge. Fear of what people think. How, how many times does that kind of put you into a tailspin? Because, and I was thinking about this, you, it's fear of what people think, and you don't even know what they think because you can't read their minds. So you're making up in your own mind what they think. Oh, I know they're thinking this about me. Like, and yet the fear just takes over, and, we, and we, we get all this stuff. It's just, it's just crazy. I will fear no evil. I, I love this scripture. He says, there is no fear in love. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out or casts out fear because fear has to do with punishment. There's some kind of punishment that takes place. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. There's something about the love of God that comes in and that will drive out the fear. And I think that's what David knew. I think that's what David was speaking about. He said, I'm going to fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. There's something about, uh, you know, being with the Lord, the Lord being with me. And, 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 and the subject is so huge. Like last week, I, I said I didn't want to just run over it because it is so, it's so huge. The Bible's full. We're going to kind of take a, a quick jaunt through the scriptures and look at some, not all, but some of them. And I probably won't even be able to do all of them. But, but he, says, he says, you are with me in the valley, in death, in fear, in all the different things of this life. God says, I'll be with you. I remember in elementary school, just barely, if my oldest brother or one of my older brothers was with me, I didn't have to be afraid. There were some people that were threatening they didn't like us, and if he wasn't around, they'd threaten me, and I'd, be, I'd get very fearful. But, but he, said, he said to me, anybody gives you any trouble, you just let me know. And sometimes I did. <laughs> and sometimes they found out. <laughs> I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He hasn't left us on our own. I looked up that word with me because I like to look up words and just to see what they mean. And, and yes, it means with me. I, I get that. That's the primary meaning. But, but it's so much more. It, 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 it added this too. It's along with, by, by me. And it's tied to another uh, word that means to bind together, to tie together. So the Lord is with me. He's like bound up with me. He's tied with me. It's not like he's going to go anywhere. That's why the scripture says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. The, the eternal God is, is with me. He's tied to me. Notice, uh, notice uh, there in verse 4, it says that you are with me. Now, in the first few verses, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Notice that. But, but here in verse 4, 
He changes from he to what? To you. In the darkest spot, in the worst place possible, it becomes even more personal. It's not like he's going to be there for me. It's you are going to be there for me. Isn't that cool? That's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. And, and when we're looking at this idea that, that you are with me, that's the kind of thing that is a very personal thing, a very real thing. And, and again, I, I, I just, you know, I, I had to kind of cut it off, but there were so many passages in the Bible, so many different people, so many different situations. You remember, I want you to turn back to Genesis. Let's start in Genesis because that's the first book, and I know you can actually find that one without too much trouble. <laughs> See, I told you, you just love me because it's not the stuff I say about you that brings you back. Genesis chapter 28. But, but before that, uh, I just remind you that in the Garden of Eden, you know, God was with Adam and Eve. He was with them. He was walking in the garden with them. The separation came when? The separation came in Genesis chapter 3 with the fall, when man sinned and man fell. And, and that's when the, the separation between us and God began to be a problem. But God's plan, God's purpose was always that he would walk with us, that he would be there for us, that, he'd, that he would be with us. That was always his plan. He, he never had a different plan. And so when the fall came, there was this separation that took place. And, and you know the story, you know, God said, you know, Adam, where are you? Because there was this separation. There was this, you know, it says that they were hiding from him. They were hiding from him. But the Father sent his son Jesus to restore that relationship, right? That's why Jesus came, so that we could be in a restored relationship with God forever and ever. Genesis 28, again, we're going to go quickly here. If you uh, uh, have your Bible, you can read along. Otherwise, you have to listen to me read, and I'm going to read quickly. But Genesis 28 uh, in verse 15, Jacob uh, was on the run from his brother. He cheated his brother. He was, you know, Jacob, he was a, a heel catcher, they call him. He was a guy that twisted things in, for his own benefit. And yet, in verse 15, look what it says. God is speaking to Jacob. He says, I am with you. And will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob, you know, wasn't doing all that great, but God said he had a purpose for him. He had a plan for him, and he said, I'm going to be with you. I find it interesting, if you jump down to verse 20, uh, Jacob, you, you kind of see his immaturity in his relationship with God. And he kind of, you know, tries to make a deal with God. And sometimes we do that too. But in verse 20, it says, Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, the Lord is my shepherd, so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar 
will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So God, if, you're gonna, if you will be with me, well then, okay, then you can be my God. Like, like, you know, he's making this deal with God. And then I'll, I'll make you my God, okay, and then I'll give you a tenth, and I'll give, and all that stuff. Does it depend on what we do? No. He... He, he did get it together in the end. We, we, we see, you read his story. It's an incredible story. And God did take care of him. God was with him as he promised him that he would be. Turn to the book of uh, Numbers, which is uh, four books ahead. The book of Numbers, chapter 14. You remember the story where they sent the spies into the promised land. And Joshua and Caleb were two of the spies, two of the 12 that went in, right? And after they had spied out the land, 10 of, the, 10 of them say, you know what? We, we, can't, we can't go in. It's too scary. They're, you know, the, it's just the, the people are big there. They're giants. Like, we can't even think about going in there. But look what Joshua and Caleb say in Numbers 14, verse 6. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. But look, this is the key part. He says, their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. What did David say? I will fear no evil for you are with me. There's something about the presence of the Lord to defeat fear, to conquer the fears that we all face. Some of you are afraid that I'm going to go on too long today. But the Lord is here with you, and he's going to get you through that. I promise you. How about the next book, Deuteronomy chapter 31? So I'm making it real easy for you. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses getting near the end of his life. He's speaking to the people of Israel. He's speaking to uh, Joshua as well, who would take over for him. And uh, starting in verse 6, this is what Moses says to the people. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you you see the connection with fear he says don't be afraid don't be terrified and and i was terrified literally on top of that crater on top of that uh, volcanic crater i was terrified but the lord was with me and he got me down and he didn't leave me alone he doesn't leave you and i alone look at verse 7 then moses summoned joshua 
who, as I said, was going to replace him and take over, and said to him, in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as, an, as their inheritance. But look at verse 8. He says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. Again, this is very personal to directly to Joshua, but the other people could hear too. The Lord himself, he goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. We see two things involved there, fear and discouragement. But he says, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Why? Because he, the Lord himself, goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I was thinking about that, you know, this morning. Like, do you always feel like he's there with you? What do you, what do you base, what, what are you going to base this upon? Are you going to base it upon how you and I feel at the moment? Or what the word of God says? What the scripture says. One thing never changes. One thing, the other thing always changes. Do you know which is, you know which is which. Your feelings go up and down like, you know, a thermometer or whatever. But the word of God is secure, it's safe, it's certain. And when, when Moses was talking to, to Joshua... When Moses said those words to the people, he knew it personally. He knew it. He knew it. He, he believed it with all of his heart. The Lord is with you. How about Judges? That's only two books away. Joshua, Judges. One of my favorite characters in the Bible. Anybody know who it is? Gideon. 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 You know, God called him to, to do some things that he felt completely unequipped. He felt unable to do. Gideon, Judges chapter 6, it's like three chapters there about his life. And, and uh, it's an incredible story. But look what it says in verse 12. Judges chapter 6, verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior." Now, did he feel like a mighty warrior? No, he didn't feel like one at all. But the Lord, this is what the Lord had planned for him. He had, a, he had a calling on his life. And he said, the Lord is with you. And if God calls you and I to do something, guess what? He is going to be there with us to help us do what he's called us to do. Always. That's, that's always, always, always. I can say that from personal experience. He's called me to do a lot of things, and I am not equipped to do them, but he, he's promised to be with me. And he has been with me all these years. But look at verse 13. But sir, Gideon replied, and sometimes we think like this too, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, didn't the Lord... Bring us up out of Egypt. But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. You ever feel like that? Well, well if God is with me, the Bible said he's never going to leave me then or forsake me. Then how did I end up in this place? How did I end up in this mess? 
Why did my car break down? Why did my house fall apart? Why, you know, why is my body breaking down? Why, 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 why? You know, that's the kind of things that, that we have. Now, if you look back in the story, you find out in this particular case, you find out it, these things happened to them because they didn't listen to him. They ended up there in the hands of Midian. They were under, you know, control of the Midianites because they didn't listen to God. We find ourselves in places sometimes too. But the Lord was still with them. The Lord was still watching over them, still, you know, had a plan and a purpose. And then he raised up this guy Gideon to kind of bring it back up again. Look at verse 14. The Lord turned to him. That's to Gideon. He's already said it once. The Lord is with you. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, that's enough. That's why this is one of my favorite characters. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. I will be with you. Go, he says. Go do what I asked you to do. I'm going to be with you every step of the way. How about 1 Kings? Kind of just go ahead a little bit. Samuel, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Samuel, Kings, chapter 8. 1 Kings, chapter 8. You know a guy named Solomon? There was a guy at our huddle. And literally, this is his name, Solomon, Solomon. Solomon, Solomon. Anyways, it's got nothing to do with this. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 55. Solomon is blessing the people. And he has a very long blessing, a very long prayer. And, and look in, in verse 55. It says, he stood, that is Solomon... He had been kneeling, he stood up, and he blessed the whole assembly of Israel in a loud voice, saying, Praise be to the Lord, who has given rest to his people Israel, just as he promised. Not one word, this is so powerful, listen, not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. Not one word. And may the Lord our God be with us, as he was with our fathers. May he never leave us nor forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him to walk in all his ways and to keep the commands, decrees, regulations he gave our fathers. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servant, the cause of his people, Israel, according to each day's need. Each day's need. Isn't that wonderful? so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. But your hearts must be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees, obey his commands as at this time. I was thinking about this, you know, it seems like there's a special way that he is with his people. Because the Lord, right, if we, if we believe this about God, that he's omnipresent, he's, he's everywhere, right? 
But he's not with those that are not his, the, the unbelievers. He's not with them in the same way that he's with you and I as believers. There is something special. There's something unique. There's a, again, it's built on relationship. It's built on our hearts being committed to Him. It's built on a heart relationship that we have a, a heart commitment to Him. It's not just, a, like I said earlier, an intellectual thing. It's of our hearts. How about in battles? Second Chronicles, two books ahead. Are you kind of getting the pattern here? Okay, good. Second Chronicles chapter 32. It wasn't just David. It wasn't just Moses. It wasn't just Joshua. It wasn't just Solomon. Now we hear King Hezekiah speaking uh, to the people in Second in, uh, Chronicles chapter 32. Uh, and Hezekiah, he's an awesome character too. That's why, you know, if you never read some of these stories, you can read in the Chronicles and the Kings and Joshua and Judges about these guys and, and their lives. And, and, and it's just fascinating. It's incredible. But, but to read about their faith. Chapter 32, verse 6. He, that is Hezekiah, appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encourage them with these words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. They were being attacked by the king of Assyria and they, they, you know, a huge army that they had. But he said, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged because of that. Don't look at that. He says, for there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah the king said. Is that incredible? With him is only the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God, the Almighty God, to help us to fight our battles. And the people, they got confidence because of that. One of my favorite scriptures uh, found in 1 John 4, 4, and I think of it because it's like a 44. He says this, You dear children are from God and have overcome them, the enemies, because the one who is in you is what? greater than the one who's in the world. That's how we are. We have the Lord our God with us, not only with us, but within us as believers. That's what he promises. How are we going to win all these battles? How are we going to fight these battles? We're not on our own in our flesh, but with the power of, of God and the power of his Holy Spirit in our lives. We, he said, have overcome them. How about Job? Any of you know anything about Job? That's just before Psalms. Let's look at Job chapter 29. Again, all different kinds of people, all different situations and stories. And, and, and Job was, you know, he was having a pretty rough time. Wouldn't you say? And... and you know, as I said before, they believe that Job was probably the oldest book uh, in the scripture that was written, the oldest one. 
And, and uh, what is it about? It's about suffering. It's about trials. It's about trouble. But look in chapter 29, verse 1. Job continued his discourse. See if you can relate to this. How I long for the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me. When his lamp shone upon my head and, and by his light I walked through darkness. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house, when the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me, when my path was drenched with cream and the rock poured out for me streams of olive oil. Now, let me ask you the question, was God there still with him? He absolutely was, but did he think he was? You think, you know, God was with me in the past, you know, and, and I can remember when God was with me in those days gone by, but, but he's not with me anymore. And sometimes you and I feel that way, don't you? I do. David did, absolutely. He, he, you know, so many of the Psalms, he says, you know, why are you hiding your face from me? You're not with me. Why, are you, why is this going on? But the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he had never left Job, though he thought, though he felt like he did. David says in Psalm 42, by day, the Lord directs his love and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I got just a few more. Are you still with me? Okay. Psalm 46. Next book, right? Psalm 46. I'm really, I'm really getting to the end here. Sort of. If I can find Psalm 46, I'll be doing better. Psalm 46, verse 7 first. This, this one written by the sons of Korah, the heading says, a song. Verse 7, the Lord Almighty is what? With us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Verse 10, you'll remember be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And the writer says, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. N notice, God says, be still and know that I am God. I think part of that is to be still and, and remember that I'm with you. I am with you. I'm always with you. I haven't left you. I'm still working on your behalf. Okay. Second to the last book, Isaiah. Isaiah, there's a lot written in the book of Isaiah. So just keep going forward uh, three or four books or so. Isaiah. I love the book of Isaiah. Someday... I might teach it, but I don't know. It's a very long book. I don't know how, if I have enough time. 
Isaiah chapter 41. Don't giggle over there. 40, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8. God says to Jacob, and really to the nation of Israel, But you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. That's beautiful there. You could just stop right there. Abraham, my friend. He says, I took you from the ends of the earth, from, the, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and I have not rejected you. So do not fear for I am what? With you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I don't know about you, but I got boxes and some of these verses underlined in my Bible. Do not fear. I'm with you. Don't, don't be dismayed. I am your God. That's what God says to you and to me. Don't be afraid. I fear no evil because you are with me. Two chapters ahead, Isaiah 43. Starting in verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you, what? By name. He knows your name. He knows my name. You are mine. And, and, and look at this now in verse 2. And you, in some of this you will remember. Songs have been written about this. People have taught about this. Verse 2, When you pass through the waters... What, what does he say? I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead, since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you and people in exchange for your life. Verse 5, do not be what? Afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I don't know, I don't think it can get much clearer than that, that no matter what we go through, the rivers, the, the floods of life, the fires, the trials, the troubles that we face, every valley that we face, he says, I will be with you and I'm going to get you through. You're going to get to the destination. And for, for us as believers, the destination is what? Heaven. Is heaven. The last verse that I'm going to quote and then we're going to close here is Matthew 28. Jesus gives what they call the Great Commission, right? He says, you know, uh, to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that I commanded, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But he says this, he, at the end of his, his call, his commission, he says this, he says, for lo... 
I am with you always to the very end of the age or the end of the world, some translate it. Jesus promised. This is, a, this is New Testament. We've looked at a lot of these Old Testament verses, but it, it's no different in the New Testament. And Jesus himself promises, I will be with you always to the very, 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 very end. And then I'm going to be with you forever. And that's why David says at the end of, of uh, Psalm 23, you know, that, that he would dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. This is an eternal thing. It's not like you and I, you know, we have people in our lives, some for just a few minutes, some for, you know, a few hours, some for a few years, some for many, many years. But Jesus says, I'm going to be with you forever. God says, I'm going to be with you forever and ever and ever. He says, you David said, are with me. I am not alone. I don't need to fear. I don't need to be discouraged. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for these promises. And we read it that, that not one, not one of every good word that you gave failed. Every promise will be fulfilled. And this is a promise of your word that you will always be with us. Those that belong to you, you're with us in a a very special and a a unique way of relationship. But Father, I know that we're human and and, and sometimes we we just don't sense it. We don't. Sometimes we have doubts and we, 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 our faith is weak. And like the man who said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I, I, just, I just know that your word, and I, just to hear these words over and over, that, that it would be cemented in our hearts and minds and our spirits, and that we would build on that rock, the rock of your word, the rock of our Savior Jesus, so that, that he is with us. He is with us always, always. Lord, I I pray here now, maybe there's somebody in this room, maybe somebody listening to this message, or will hear it later, that that you can't say that you have that relationship with Him, that you can't say that you belong to Him, and you can't say that you asked Him into your heart and life at some point in time. But today you can. Today you can. doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, what what any other family member, any other person thinks. It's a decision that you make for yourself. It's very personal. And you can simply pray with me right now and say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Come into my heart. I I need you. I want you in my life. I'm lost. Forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. And, and Lord, I, I pray that I could have that eternal life that you promised. And your presence with me forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name.